Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. In fact, whenever or wherever you're listening to this episode of the NI Golf Channel podcast, myself and Emma are back for some more golfing chit chat. And you'll not be surprised to know we'll be focusing on Rory's win at the Wells Fargo. Whoa, at long last. Whoop, whoop. Yep, we're also on the countdown to this year's ISPS Handel World Invitational. Yep, we certainly are. And we'll pick through some of the recent golf news, including Olivia Mahaffey's decision to turn pro. And we'll also be looking ahead to the second men's major of the year, the US PGA Championship, which is at Kiowa Island. And we might even pick a couple a couple of likely winners. I mean, we'll, we'll pick some winners, whether they're likely or not is, yeah, we'll see. Our track record's not that good, to be honest with you. No, no not great. So after what seemed like forever, about 19 <laughs> months, uh, Rory McIlroy finally got a win at Quail Hollow. The 32-year-old gave us all a bit of a heart attack when he found a hazard on the last. <laughs> but a closing bogey earned him a one-shot victory over Abraham Anser. And here's what Rory said post-victory. It's hard to win. Um, it's, you know, I, you know, I got my nose ahead um, with the two birdies on 14 and 15. And then... When I hit the tee shot on 16, I said to myself, four more good swings. That's all you need. You need good swing into this par, into 16, you need a good tee shot on 17, and two good swings into 18. Uh, I, I made three good swings and, and one not so good swing on the way in, but um, it's tough. I mean, it's, you know, it was windy. You know, you're playing one of the toughest stretches that we play. You know, those closing three holes are, are pretty tough, especially with the crosswinds out there. So, like I would have loved to have went bogey free today and, and won by two instead of one, but um, it's it's tough to get over the line, especially if you haven't done it in a while. Well, Emma, is this the Pete Cowan effect? Well, I think I think you'd be hard pressed to say it wasn't in some way, wouldn't you? Really, and you know he's Rory's obviously giving him credit, but um, what I've liked as well is that he's said he'll always mention Michael it'll always be Michael Bannon who got him to that point and whatever Pecorn has is possibly the icing on the cake or the new focus or whatever it is which is just you know it's obviously true but it's it's pure class I think even in in the moment to be to be saying that um as for Pecorn magic well this is kind of what he does isn't it this is his this is his go-to what we were expecting maybe slash hoping was going to happen when everybody heard that he was working with him uh whether we thought it was going to happen quite this quickly I don't Mm -hmm. think anybody did and I think I'm sure you'd agree that you know it wasn't even it was just so nice to watch Rory and other than the 18th not have that feeling in the pit of your stomach or the the fear when you see his wee face going when he's hit the driver and that little you know the when he bites the lip and peers over to the left and you're like oh Jesus no no what have you done and there was not you know there wasn't any of that it wasn't going plan A let's be honest the, certainly what I was watching he would have paid you if you could have hit a cut but mm-hmm. other than that um you know it was so positive and that's obviously coming from Pete now whether it's whether it's physical or partly mental, we're going to talk about the mental side, I know, in a wee bit. But I don't know, with Pete Cowan, it feels a little bit to me like when maybe a struggling club, like a Premier League club, brings in a new manager. Mm-hmm. And it's just apart from anything, even if it is telling you how to do stuff differently or giving you something else, it's just like hitting a wee reset button in a way, isn't it? And you, the amount of self-belief and things that you might just get back by giving yourself a break, apart from anything, when you're as talented as Rory is then I think that aspect of it is probably quite quite a, a big part of it as yeah, well. Yeah. I think 
just simple, a bit of clarity of thought, a bit of clarity yeah. of process, and mm -hmm. a bit of, right, stop getting in your own way. We're going to do X, Y, and Z this week. And yep. we'll work on that. And this is, this is a process, X, Y, and Z. Focus on that, concentrate on that, and we'll see what happens. So he has this knack of talking properly to professionals, whatever he does, whichever method that he, whichever way he gets into their heads, he mm -hmm. certainly seems to get results. You can't argue with that. He's a results man. But we are talking a wee bit, you mentioned there a wee bit, the stuff going on in the head. And, and Rory did talk briefly about the fact that he'd been talking to Bob Rotella, which I thought was very interesting because up to now, Rory's kind of eschewed and almost sort of dismissed the need to have a mental coach to get some mm -hmm. guidance in that way. Now, you can look at it two ways. Firstly, why is it taking him so long? Secondly, it just shows you how much he wants to get back there, that he is prepared yeah. to make that change and to accept that, right, this is a path I have to go down. I have to look at how, why I'm not getting over the line when I get myself into these situations. So once again, I think that's a positive. That's not a negative, that's a positive. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I think that that's a really good point, that it is almost like, you know, he's, he's had these, what do they keep calling them, um, wind droughts. I mean, yes. who'd love a wind drought in the PGA Tour for this long? But he is that kind of class that that's what everybody says, obviously. Yes. But, but yeah, it, it's like he has come to a point where he's like, do you know what? For everybody saying, you know, all the commentary, all the pundits, all the everything, he's the most talented player or one of the most talented players. He's got the most natural swing, blah, 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 blah. It's obviously been getting to, you know, the stuff where he's been trying to get the speed up and totally... Alexed up the the mm -hmm. TPC and then freely admitted he, he was after the speed he was going Brysoning he's obviously like you say he's been he's been looking for stuff and now he's openly just gone do you know what and I, I need to do something and it's not in desperation it feels like a calculated plan and certainly this working with Pete like you say it's a process it's a it's a journey I think was his words as well and it's something he's prepared to give the time and effort to because he obviously believes in it okay. and you know, well, you can't you can't say that it's not working, really, can you? After uh, after Sunday, which is brilliant. I'm talking about belief. Then the same thing mm -hmm. goes for Harry because, as we've known, there's been all the pressure and all the talk. You know, Twitter or oh, social media. Every time Rory got anywhere into contention and made a mistake or didn't get the job done, it was oh, he needs a caddy. He needs a professional caddy. He needs a full time caddy. He needs somebody who knows what he's doing. The thing is. Harry knows what he's doing. The problem is that we never heard what Harry and Rory too talk about because yep. they don't have the Jordan Spieth, Michael Greller full-scale yeah. debate in the middle of the fairway at the top of their voices. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a chat yeah. quietly in your ear, yeah. what are we doing? But for that one time that the camera in the right place, and we could hear Harry, right, what are we doing? Where are we going? How are we going to get around this? And suddenly people are going, oh, all right. So he does open his mouth. So, so Rory does listen to him. And I hope, I hope if nothing else, this knocks that nonsense about Harry not knowing his job on the head. No, absolutely. And, you know, let's not forget that when he was with JP, he got a lot of chat about that as well. That's always been a go-to, hasn't it? That Rory's, he's exceptionally talented and people are just trying to find reasons and they're, they're blaming those people. But like you say, like, 
it's almost like people don't even know anything about Harry. All they think is, he's his best mate. And that's as far as it goes. They're like, you can't have your best mate in your bag and do well. Well, he's a hell of a goal for himself. You know, Rory caddied for him, didn't he, back in the day? Like, obviously, a long time ago when they were younger. Yeah. He was fantastic amateur goal for himself. He does know what he's doing. All the, all the qualities that all the loopers out on tour have is, is playing to that kind of standard. And, okay, so some of them have then turned, you know, being club pros and, and then being Kelly's, but the, the path's been the same. He's got he's got it in spades, and it's been incredibly unfair the way he's been treated. Although you'd say maybe he's not under the same pressure because he hasn't reached the same heights, but Tommy Fleetwood also gets sick for Ian Finnis being on his bag, doesn't he? And it's the same it's the same thing. They, they do know what they're doing. They're, they're class caddies. They work in a way that works for their pro, and that's... That's more than half the battle with your caddy, isn't it? Like they exactly. always say that it's not, it's not about having somebody telling you every single thing that you've got to do. It's just, it's just not the way it works. It's way more than that. And and even I suppose you could say Westy having Helen okay. on the back. Look at the success he's had there. And I know he's obviously a bit more mature. He's been out there. He's had you know Billy on his bag and stuff. And there's only so much you could tell him about anything these days. But it's it's so much about getting them in the right frame of mind and knowing what to say at the right time. And like you say, I'm a family up from Harry. Exactly, we've heard it. We've heard it because yeah. it is that thing as well. Like how many of us have actually been out there on a course and seen them together? Like you say, it's when the camera catches them. That's when you know what they're saying, and they probably already had their chat or their yeah. calm way. You know, one hand going for a club on a little sure about that boss well, as if he'd call him boss let's be honest but you know floors rise up you know whatever yeah. it is whatever the little things they are that they have whatever way they work we don't see it very often and I think that's that's hopefully yeah put well it has for a while but let's be honest it, it's it's all oh Roy's back Roy's back but it'll be the same people who if he has another god love him drought again at some point it'll be saying all the same stuff isn't it so let's yeah. just rejoice in it shall we because I think all of Ireland's very excited and we don't give a crap about the rest of it to be honest so <laughs> well good it sets things up now obviously for the return to the PGA Championship at Kew Island wasn't it just where Rory is obviously oh, yeah. won before back in 2012 but uh, possibly too early I don't know I think Rory has proven before that once he gets a confidence once it clicks and he starts off in a run He's very hard to stop. Um, and I wonder, like everybody, you can see why the odds have tumbled. The odds have tumbled already. We'll talk about it a bit more later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but the odds have tumbled on Rory McIlroy to, to win it there. Let's put it this way. When we go on to talk about the PGA Championship, he's not one of my picks. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. What do you it's, think? I don't know. It feels... In some ways, it would be the, the perfect sort of, not Cinderella story, because it's not exactly rags to riches, but, no. and it's also, I guess, because... Riches to riches. Yes, riches to increased riches. <laughs> but because because he, he won a Quail Hollow, where he's obviously got, you know, had yeah. had past success, and then to win a PGA by eight shots, wasn't it? Winning the last yeah. one at Kiowa, like, he, you know, you just feel maybe if he's, if he's got, like you say, the bit between his teeth, which is when he gets rolling and the, the fact he's feeding off the crowds and stuff he's been mentioning as well. That's, you know, it's all, it could it could go either way, but yeah, you just don't want to, I sort of hope that he doesn't feel the extra pressure and he doesn't get carried away with it. But if he's got all this, you know, he's got his, his blinkers on, then hopefully, hopefully he won't get too carried away. But I have to say, I... You would love the romanticism of it, would you? 
Yes, I would. And therefore, when we go to our picks, he may be amongst them. <laughs> right. So talking about picks, what do you reckon? Let's go. Yeah, okay. So we'll we'll look into our wee crystal balls that are generally faulty, it has to be said. Um, but yeah, like you said, some some bookies do have him as one of the leading contenders now. But what what is a what is a PGA championship or indeed a major without us putting a little each way on Rory, I have to say. Um uh, we've already said how well he played there. But it was nine years ago. I think a lot of things have changed. Many of the things we've just talked about. But I'm going to pick him as one of my picks because oh. yes, I am. I am a romantic, and and I'm an each wear also. I'd love him to win it, but I think he'll play. I think he'll play well. I think if he can keep these, what was he saying? He's got a couple of really good go-to swing thoughts, like you're saying with the clarity. We can keep that up, which is obviously. It's part of the process. Let's just take it as another week somewhere I played well before. I think he could. I think he could be going places. PS is probably me getting overexcited. So you give me, you give me some of your picks then, PK, and then I'll give you another one. <laughs> well, my, my, my two. I, I like to try and pick somebody who's maybe playing well at the minute, but mm -hmm. just hasn't. You know, you feel it sort of. It's just getting it's to the stage where they're going to just time their run right um victor hovland has been playing so well all year mm -hmm. he already has a win under his belt he's rattling out these 60s he was back in there in the round the lead again at quail hollow you know he's one of those young guns that are that are playing so well out there mm -hmm. maybe this is his time so i think that's one of my wee bets and also Good almost choice. almost out of desperation for the fact that I've <laughs> always backed him and he's invariably let me down. But he showed up well again at the Masters. Mark Leishman. Uh -huh, Mark I Leishman like showed up well at the Masters and he has a win as well in the Purge event with his Aussie mate Cam Smith. So mm -hmm. um, I think that uh, Mark Leishman is due a major. He's a big time player. Apologies, Mark, for putting a kiss of death on you, but that's my thoughts so alongside Rory who's your other left fielder no, John Ram I, about John Ram no it is not it is not John Ram I'm not obsessed with John Ram he has he has his place and he will always be probably one of my open and masters picks but not necessarily a PGA pick so now therefore congratulations John Ram go ahead and pick up the Wanamaker's sodding trophy now I've said that of course that's what will happen however <laughs> I, I'm finding this one tricky. I'm with you on the form. I've been scanning through Hovland and I I think you're onto something there, but we can't pick the same person because that's just boring. So I'm kind of tempted, I have to say, by Gary Woodland. Ooh. Now, not masses of form. He knows how to play in a major. He knows how to win a major. So I was toying them between him and also Leishman. I, I, a big fan of Team Mullet also. Um, but I think when I was looking at it, I think I'd probably stick... A tiny wee each way on Gary just because his odds are a lot longer and I need to make myself some money back after the disaster that was the Masters and me. Just well, the good thing about that. Gary Woodland is Gary Woodland was injured and really he's been struggling with a bit of a hip mm. injury for a long time and is finally feeling fit again. So that was, you know, he played very well. So I think, you know, we're talking about somebody trending in the right direction. You may mm -hmm. be on the one there as well. So Another previous Pete Corrin yeah. association as yeah. well. Pete Corrin, who pretty much got him his US Open, he would say. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna gonna go with him. Very good. Well, well, we will keep track of those. Obviously, we'll put it up on social media. Feel free to ridicule us at 
regular appearances on social media. Um, and we'll see how we go. As I said, the best we've done out of the last couple of years was Lydia Cole getting very close. That yeah, was about and, it. And, and that was you. So. <laughs> My turn. Okay, almost some news then. Bit of a quick yeah. news roundup, which yeah. is great. And and this is really the first time I've managed to even have a news roundup, which just shows you it feels like it's the news. golfing season is getting into full swing. So yeah. now Kearney fired a brilliant closing 61 to finish tied for fourth at the Canary Islands Championship. Now that's Nell's best finished ever on tour and earned him yeah. a spot in this week's British Masters. Now, Nell's been knocking around for a long time. He's been playing on numerous tours. He's played all over the country and all over the world. He was offered this chance. He's got a sort of big category. So he, he got those chances to go out to the Canary Islands. One thing, that he's made the most of it. Brilliant effort by him. So well done now. Top fella, former Irish PGA champion. Brilliant for him. And it was so close to that 59. I mean, oh. obviously, you can't, you can't be gutted with a 61, can you? But oh, oh it was so close. close. Another thing that was close, but then didn't end up quite so close, unfortunately, uh, the Walker Cup. The United States retained the Walker Cup with a 14-12 victory over Great Britain and Ireland at Seven Oak Golf Club in Florida, which looked absolutely beautiful. Uh, GB and I trailed 7-5 overnight, but won Sunday's foursomes 2.5, 1.5 to narrow the gap before the final singles. And the Irish duo of Mark Parr and John Murphy were on fire. They managed two wins from two in the foursomes, which was yeah. fantastic. I love watching. Great. I love watching the World Cup. Now I have to say, that was much closer than I thought it was going to be because obviously mm-hmm. a lot of the European, sorry, a lot of the GBA guys, they haven't had an awful lot of golf, yep. which is probably why the selectors did try to fix and sit on a lot of the guys who, who had been playing at, at college golf in America. But yeah. um, it, it was really good, very entertaining, very entertaining the foursomes in particular. The more and more you watch team golf and you watch foursomes and four balls, you keep thinking to yourself, really, we need to find a way to get more of these type of tournaments into the pro yeah. game as well. So the Ulster yeah. Men's and Women's Open Stroke Play Championship takes place on June the 7th and the 8th at Royal County Down, no less. And the top two male and top two female players will be given entry into the World Invitation at Galgorm Castle later this year. You can put your entry in via the Golf Ireland website. Absolutely. You be doing that then, PK? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Royal County Downs too much of a golf course for me and by the way that's for proper amateur golfers not for hackers <laughs> like me uh, well t- talking about uh, moving from amateurs to pros we of course have pro moves for Tom McKibben and Olivia Mahaffey Olivia has said she'll make her first start as a pro on the Symmetra Tours Mission Inn Resort and Club Championship in Orlando in three weeks time she has the small matter of the year-end college championships to play in first the NCAAs and I'm sure she'll actually be quite pleased that she has had a few stalls in her turning pro because that's, right. that's been quite some season she's had. Yeah, it's, um, brilliant. it's actually brilliant, brilliant for her, isn't it? That she's, yeah, that she's finally, she finally, fingers crossed, getting to make this transition. Yeah. Her patience must have been sorely tested over the last couple of years because you know, firstly, she was meant to go two years ago. Heard her wrist mm-hmm. had to step away. Last year, coronavirus stepped in, decided, right, I'll go back to college for another year. So it's great that she's she's uh, she's finally getting the chance. So you'd like to think she gets a wee bit of reward for that from the golfing gods. You would hope so. You would hope so, but they don't always play fair, as we know. 
And obviously Tom McKibben also has turned professional a couple of weeks ago, making two starts now at the Tenerife Open and the Canary Island Championship. The 18-year-old failed to make the cut, sadly, on both occasions, but he has posted three under par rounds. And his first round, he was sitting, what was it, 10th or something for a while? Yeah. It was just a real shame about his second round last week. But yeah. he's you know. uh, it's, it's like, let's be honest, Tom's only 18. He's making his way in the world. He was very disappointed not to make the Walker Cup team. Um, he's yeah. decided to go down this pro route. Um, there was a college place over in America sitting there as well, but I suppose he's bitten the bullet, and 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 this is where his heart is. So all the best for him. It's a tough school. We anybody who's who's listened to the podcast over the years, we've had numerous challenge tour players mm-hmm. and Alps tour players on. It's not easy making your way in the world of, of pro golf. So fingers crossed for the two of them. Now, it's just over two months until the ISPS Hand the World Invitational. And hopefully we'll hear some positive news about fans attending very soon. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Must be now that Boris has given you all clear for us all to have a hug. You would have thought so. But no but no dancing at weddings. Oh, wow. So I don't know where golf fans fall between those two things. I'll be perfectly honest in the mind of Boris Johnson. <laughs> Well, during lockdown, when the rest of us were stuck at home, the greenkeepers got to work on both venues at a useful event to tighten up the challenge facing the players from the LET, the PGA, sorry, the PGA, the European PGA, <laughs> and the LPGA. And friend of the pod, Paul Gallagher, he caught up with Ross Oliver about what has been going on at Galgorm. Can you just give us a wee idea about what's happening, what preparations are in place at this moment in time? Um, first of all, we, we've had our, our members back then for a few weeks now, which is great. Um, it was a it was a long winter, um, but we're delighted to have everyone on the golf course now. And the weather's been really kind of late, so the course is looking really well. Um, it's been a busy few months in terms of event planning, so um, we were delighted to get the event announced at the end of February. Um, and since then, it's been it's been all systems go for 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 the planning aspect of the tournament. So my role really is, is involved in the operational. Um, aspect of the event in terms of booking the infrastructure getting the infrastructure um in place in terms of what we need from marquees cabins hire um so we've lots of meetings with with our local contractors there um and getting everything in place for the village for the hospitality structures around the 18th green um plus the whole a whole host of other things and in terms of accommodation options and travel etc so it's been very busy um, but it's all good very good. And, you know, realise, you know, things can change given the current circumstances at the moment. What, if everything was open and spectators are here, what could spectators expect on site, you know, by way of the tented village or what sort of grandstand and stuff? What what are your aspirational hopes for the tournament? Yeah, so it's, it should still be, still be a great event. I know everyone will be busting to, to get out and enjoy an event because there haven't been any for so long, of course. And I know we're I think we're the, the main event in town for, for Northern Ireland anyway this summer. Um, so hopefully the, the local public will, and local sports fans will be busting to get the event. And when they get here, they should have a great time. So we will have a, a tournament village. Um, everything will, of course, be COVID-friendly and COVID-aware and compliant with, with current regulations at the time. But um, in the village, we'll have, we're delighted to have American Golf as a, as a key partner. They'll have a big retail unit in the village. Um, as well as you know, public bar, food vendors, and a, a few other partners that'll be confirmed in the next wee while, and um, will really offer something for the spectator to enjoy. 
Um, and on the course, we won't have grandstands this year, which will be a little bit strange, but with everything um, associated with COVID and social distancing, um, a grandstand quickly loses its capacity if we have to um, apply two metre distancing. So it will be, um, 18th will be solely the, the hospitality venue with, with some viewing points around the green. And of course, we've had a massive project on here on 18 this year. We really have a, a now a, a finishing hole to remember, which was our signature project this autumn winter. So I'm sure everyone will be excited to um, to play that before the tournament if, if they're lucky enough to do so, or else come and see how some of the best golfers in the world get on at um, what is a, a new a daunting finishing hole. I haven't actually played it myself since Golf Free Open, so I can't comment, but um, we'll see how I get on when I do get out for a couple of holes. Very good. Ross, for, for people that maybe don't know, just tell us what has happened, because there's quite a change at 18 at the moment, isn't there? There is, yeah. So um, first of all, in the tee shot, we, we've a new, we've been just a new ferry bunker up the left-hand side. That's really in the sort of, in the distance that the tour professionals set it both from the men's tees and the women's tees. And really then it's the second shot for par five if you're going for it, that um, the, the new feature really comes into play. So we have a, a new lake left of the green. Um, straight, there's a, a river runs down short left of the green, down 50, 60 yards of the fairway. And then a new water feature to the left of the green with, with mounding and landscaping to the left where hopefully we'll have plenty of fans come, um, come July and August. So uh, if you haven't seen it yet, hopefully... You, you'll, you'll see it soon enough. So it's going to be plenty of dramatics at the end then? Absolutely, yeah. I think even even last year we were we were delighted to host the Dubai Duty Free Irish Open and 18 certainly played its part in that with John Catlin making a great birdie. Um, and unfortunately, England's Aaron Rye came unstuck. Um, where he hit his ball last year would, would be wet this year. Okay. Um, so we'll see. we'll see if we have any... Um, any more dramatics at the ISBS and the World Invitational. Very good. And you just touched on a few other aspects like tented villages and things. I, I guess support from, you know, like local councils and, and other suppliers and stuff is crucial to bringing this all together. Of course, yeah, we're delighted to, to work in, in partnership, first of all, with Tourism and I uh, <clears throat> as our government partner, and then locally, Mid and East Antrim Borough Council. And also under Nabi Borough Council, because of course we have Mazarin as our co-host. And I know they've been doing lots of work this, this autumn and winter in preparation for the event. We're, we're really excited for that. So our local partners from the councils, they provide all sorts of support to us. Um, obviously funding and in-kind support in terms of assisting with car parking, with waste, recycling, um, advertising, comms, PR. So it, it really is a combined effort between um, everybody involved in the event from an organisational side, uh, from the team here, and then all our partners across across the boroughs and Northern Ireland as a whole. Very good. And we have to mention you know, the, the COVID situation. Um, I know you work very closely with the likes of the European Tour, who would take a lead on that type of thing then. I presume all those contingencies are in place then as well. Is that right? Yeah, COVID is, is obviously um, still here and um, it's a massive part of our planning. We have um, weekly weekly meetings with the European Tour. Um, we're, we're, we're very grateful to have the expertise of Dr. Andrew Murray, the Chief Medical Officer, and Mark Casey, who is our COVID officer from the Tour. So it forms a massive part of the tournament. And we're very lucky that we experienced um, the COVID bubble for tournaments at the NI Open last year and also of course the Irish Open so we we know what to expect 
um, which is a great benefit considering the level that our event is going to this year. So that that's really last year is really going to stand us in good stead, and we're we're very thankful for the support we have from the tour, um, and also from from our local authorities, Department of Health and Public Health Agency and, and Tourism and I. So um, it's very it's very busy, very detailed, but it has to be. Of course, we understand that, and we 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 can ensure anybody who's going to be visiting in July and August that. It will be a COVID safe environment and something to really look forward to. Brilliant stuff. And there's also been plenty of work going on over at Mazarin. Paul caught up with club member Gareth McNeely for the lowdown and also to hear about his work with the European Disabled Golf Association. You're a long term member at Mazarin Golf Club. And as we've already heard from Ross, they have made some significant changes to the golf course at Galgorm. But they haven't been sitting on their hands at Mazarin either. I believe there's been plenty of work going on around the lock. Sure has, Paul. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me on. It's a privilege to be on here. We've talked to you over the last few years, so it's good to be on the podcast. Yeah, the course is the course is in as good condition as I've ever seen it at this time of year. Um, I was a, a junior member there for about 10 years in the 90s and the early 2000s, and then and rejoined again five years ago and the work that's been done with both the members visitors and the ISPS uh, and the tournament has been fantastic over the winter so yeah it's exciting times at Mazarin. Yeah now people sometimes wouldn't understand exactly what Mazarin's about they kind of maybe think it's a wee small you know typical inland course Maybe not the longest, not the toughest, but it's it's tricky. Like, what what do you think as a as a regular there? What are the key things you need to play well, right, Mazari? I think keeping keeping the ball in play, uh, especially in the front line. There, the front line you know, with um, quite a few dog legs, you need to plot your way around it. Um, as the returning players will see um, from two years ago, the, the improvements of the course have been. Um, are really exciting. You know, I think there's 12 tee boxes have been extended back just to, um, to give that wee um, bit of an extra test for those players that hit it much longer than you and me. So, but yeah, front line definitely um, plot your way around. Back line with a three par fives is always allows um, more scoring opportunities. Um, greens are small as well, and they're not, they're not. Um, not a huge amount of break on them at times. It's subtle breaks that you're you're all, you're looking for. So yeah, it's a it's a good test. And as was proven two years ago, you know none of the players that came absolutely tore the place apart. I think the best score over the um, two days was a I think a sixty six, possibly a sixty five. You know, but the the, the course, especially if the wind blows off the lock uh, on the back nine, it'll it'll make you think about your game. That's for sure. But talking about your own game. Uh, Gareth, you're 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 a, a regular on the Edgar Tour, and for those people who still don't understand, that's the golf tour for people who have a disability. Brenton Lawler's obviously Ireland's leading Edgar player in terms of his profile and what Brenton has done to raise the profile of disabled golf in general. But Gareth, you got back into golf five years ago, and that was after a spell when you'd been away from it. You'd lost a leg in a car accident or a bike accident, isn't that right? And found golf as a way to get back out and get yes. to play in sport again. Yes, uh, I had a motorbike accident almost 17 years ago now, Paul, and 
had my um, right leg amputated actually that evening, um, and thankfully I've only needed one operation. So um, I'm always thankful for the care of, of the fantastic NHS staff, both at Dundonald and at Musgrave Park. And yeah, um, been friends with quite a few golfers, as I say, played a bit as a junior. Um, six, seven years ago, started to go up to Johnny Foster, uh, my friend up at Greenacres, and had a few balls at the range and started to go the odd place for a game. And didn't really think, to be honest, that my prosthetic leg would um, stand up to play on 18 holes regularly. But um, got the bug back and, as I say, started to play a bit. And five years ago, just coming up now, I rejoined Mazarin just with a few to. Um, playing as often as I could. I didn't know anything about Edgar at that stage, um, just to get back out among the, the guys and, and have, you know, enjoy a bit of crack and see what I could do. You know, they, they had no expectations of myself, just, but luckily enough, the ball nearly goes as far as it used to, and it doesn't always go straight, but sure, that's, that's uh, the being of all our lives as golfers. But yeah, um, then stumbled on a tweet from Edgar, uh, one night uh, opened up a world of golf tournaments uh, new friendships that I, I just didn't didn't know existed at all so first trip was to St Andrews in Scotland um, almost four years ago now um, to play at the Fairmont and so two, the tournament was a four day tournament uh, over the two courses at, at Fairmont St Andrews so Got the bug, led after day one, unfortunately fear it away a bit, but yeah, that was me hooked on, on the egg events and, and also on, again, trying to spread the word here at home for just other people to try the game first and foremost, and secondly, you know, if, if they have that competitive edge, if they want to do a bit of travelling, then there's no better way than, than the egg events. And it used to stand for the European Disabled Golf Association, if now just because... They've so many countries wanting to join worldwide. It's just they've just gone with the four letters of Edgar. So, yeah, it's the opportunities I've had over the last four years have been amazing. You know, I look forward to plenty more. Hopefully, you know, like a lot of us, obviously, coronavirus has badly impacted our efforts to play golf. But obviously, for somebody who was looking to be competitive on a European stage, like you were, um, and it's expensive. It's hard to to pay for all that travel. The Edgar Tour has been badly affected and it's held back, but what are the plans going forward? I know that you've got you've taken on a role now recently with Edgar as well to, to try and drive interest and try and drive a bit of participation. Yeah, I was approached by Tony Bennett, the um, head of Edgar, uh, and son of Hard Bennett, who many of your listeners will remember, coaching um, the Ireland men's senior team for many years. And the role, basically, as an advocate for Edgar in Ireland is to help promote what they do um, to help find, along with the, the union, um, find new players and also introduce people to golf who may never have thought of golf as a sport before. I know for, for a lot of people, golf clubs can be a daunting place if you, if you don't have friends there, if you don't know anybody um, that plays at the club. Then to go in um, for anyone um, to start playing, it, it is done. And that becomes even more so when Edgar's research has found that a person maybe with a disability has never tried the sport before. Um, 
yeah, they, they, they maybe could be put off by all that goes with golf clubs. So the idea, uh, one of the big things that Erica want to do, they want to get 500,000 people around the world with a disability trying the game of golf. And that means if the people aren't comfortable coming to the golf clubs, then Edgar will go to um, where those people with disabilities are. And that can be, as I say, in rehabilitation facilities. It can be, in, say, it could be in sports halls. It can be in local groups, local support groups. And I have been sent some equipment um, that allows people to be introduced to golf um, in that indoor dry comfortable environment so the plastic golf clubs bigger balls hoops and targets to just bring bring the idea of golf and then to spread the word that you're very welcome at clubs and lots of clubs have modern clubhouses with modern access facilities and other clubs um, throughout the country are doing their best to try and improve what they have as well so yeah that's that's what we want to do um, as i say with with golf ireland and um, with other players like yourself, Paul, we've been in conversations for a couple of years and it's really just to spread the word that golf is a game for all and it's a game that you can enjoy locally or if you want to travel, then you can go a bit further afield. Very good, very good. And, and Gareth, just from a personal and physical point of view, um, you have a prosthetic leg that you used to play golf with. Um, what sort of changes have you had to make what adaptions to your game do you have to make is there much is it easy has it been a, a transition for you to get you know luckily enough you were sporty before your accident so you have a bit of hand-eye coordination i found <clears throat> once i was comfortable with the slopes especially around the greens takes me better getting used to walking on the um in and around the greens and slopes maybe in and out of bunkers once you're comfortable comfortable with that, then with with my prosthetic being my back leg, my weight's transferring through onto uh, my strong leg. And it has as I stand over a ball, it hasn't affected me a lot. Now, as you get towards the end of the round, tiredness, obviously um, it starts to become a bit sore. Um, you know, it's uncomfortable at times, but that's, I do use a buggy to get around the course and that's something that um, I'm prepared to um, put up with to, because I enjoy the game so much. I think for someone um, just who's, say, a new amputee um, to start, the best is I feel to go to a driving range, you know, and, and if you can get a, a local pro or somebody that's used to playing for a while to give you, a, you know, a few tips, the biggest thing for me is, as I say, slopes. And if I have a downhill lie, especially on a fairway, then it is it's tricky. But it's something I, I suppose after 17 years as an amputee and five years of playing a game that I've got used to, you know. So. And Gareth, what's your ambition for the rest of the year then in terms of not just your own game, but where we can get to with this whole drive to get disability golf further up the agenda? Uh, with my own game, I I started last year as 15 handicap and with world with bad play and the world handicap system, I'm up to 17 now. So I did manage to <clears throat> I did manage to win a Wednesday sweep there a couple of weeks ago, and the game feels pretty good. So I'd like to get cut. Um, I'd love to get cut below 14. 14 was the lowest I ever was as a junior. Um, before the accident so that would be a goal 
and if we could get um, to maybe a couple of Edgar events towards the end of the year, if there's one in um, Southport, um, at Formby Hall in the start of September, if we could get there and if Portugal's opened up and we can travel a bit more freely in November for the Algarve Disabled Open, which is traditionally the last Edgar European event of the year, those would be um, the ambitions for my own game. As far as um, inclusive golf here in Ireland, um, Golf Ireland, Edga, um, a, a group of ourselves, including yourself, Paul, we're trying our best to push this, the game forward, open it up to more people. Um, we know of now probably somewhere between 45 and 50 um, golfers who are keen um, to meet up and play and continue good work that our friend Trevor Hillen has had been doing. Um, ideally, I would like to see a group of us meeting once a month, maybe from late May or, or June time and um, all through into the autumn. So that, that would be the that'll be the big thing. If we can introduce the people we already know about to each other and get them out there, get a bit of um, a few programmes introduced and, and obviously the Edgar uh, um, first touch stuff, that would be ambitions for the rest of this year I would see that as uh, as a year well spent you know we're big plans for last year but as everybody knows COVID put pay to them but yeah 2021 is, a, is an exciting time for inclusive golf in Ireland um, and for people Gareth who want to follow your journey you're, you're pretty solid in social media where can they get you? You can get me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, they're the three I'm on. Um, I'm trying to remember the at Big G Mark, I think, on on, um, on Twitter. But yeah, if you search Gaff McNeely you'll you'll find the golf picture of me and yeah, anybody that's um yeah, if there's any questions about inclusive golf or um, would like to join us or um or can help us in any way, yeah, certainly get in touch through those three um, social media platforms would be brilliant. Brilliant, Gareth. Thank you very much for coming on and having a chat. Um, hopefully, you and me will get together soon. You keep promising you're going to take money off me on the golf course one of these days. Yes, you need to get you up to magazine to see these see these changes before the tournament happens. So give me a shout over the next few weeks when you're free. Brilliant, Gareth. Thanks very much. And that's us now. As I say over here, Emma, that's us now. That's us now. Hope everyone is out back and playing a bit of their golf game the weather's been reasonably good for this last while it's been actually very nice over here for the last while it's been very cold but dry um, fingers crossed it looks like there'll be more restrictions or set to ease and we can all get back to the full golfing experience going into the clubhouse afterwards so we'll return in a few weeks we'll be reflecting on the PGA Championship and looking ahead to sort of the events that are going to start happening a bit close to home we've got the Irish Lynx Challenge on at Port Marnock and then we'll have the Irish Open, hopefully, and the Open Championship and the ASPS at Galgorm and Mazarine. What about yourself, Emma? Have you been hitting a wee ball? Uh, only in my garden recently. Oh. I've been very busy with work, but I um I'm getting some I'm gonna get some lessons booked in. I think that's the only way to try and fix this. Very good. I <laughs> good. No, that if you get lessons up, you know, if you book lessons, that right, I have to go, I have to find time and go and get hit this ball at this specific time. And the yes. children can be crying or fighting each other or climbing the walls, but I'm out the door to get my lesson. 
exactly and that's the only way it's going to happen and that was that was like you have a spy camera in my house that was quite scary <laughs> all right listen thanks very much see you soon bye bye all right don't touch me <laughs> see you shaking that ass